This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning and welcome to Open for Business, the show that dives into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. This morning on the show, Lenise Ng and Aizat Rahim, co-founders of Borong, formerly known as Droppy, a B2B e-commerce solutions provider that's enabling businesses to buy and sell in bulk online. Founded in 2017, the company formerly known as Droppy is a B2B e-commerce solutions provider, as I mentioned earlier, with the aim of helping businesses optimize their supply chain using various digital tools and initiatives, helping businesses better manage their inventory and stock tracking, tapping into digitalization to enable a better, smoother offline to online transformation, and of course, harnessing the power of data-driven decisions, making more personalized orders, thus driving customer satisfaction, and therefore driving sales. As at January 2022, over 80,000 SME businesses used its marketplace annually, totaling around 100 million US dollars at the time in transaction value. Currently, the Borong Marketplace has a million wholesale products with over 50,000 buyers stocking up goods for businesses such as hotels, convenience stores, cafes, restaurants and offices. Today, I speak with Linis and Aizat to get into the why and how of building Droppy, the rationale behind the rebrand to Borong, how well the business is doing and of course, their vision ahead. Uh, Aizat, Linis, welcome to the show. How are you both doing this morning? Fantastic. Um, thanks, for the, thanks for having us. Yeah. Isaac, I heard traffic was giving you a bit of trouble getting in today. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I think we all, we all got stuck up for like good 40 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So gave us gave me slight palpitations <laughs> for a little bit, but uh, yeah. good to see you in the studio <laughs> yeah. with us. Uh, of course, you were with us yeah. at Breakaway last year as well, yeah. so good to see you again. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the early stage, the, the, the founding moment, right? Um, what was the gap in the market that led both of you to start and build Droppy? So the whole idea of Droppy came about when we saw that on two fronts. <clears throat> so one, there was the rise of e-commerce mm-hmm. like and marketplace platforms. So from your carousels to your Lazadas and whatnot. Um, and we saw that there are a whole new bunch of e-commerce sellers online. And this was the idea came about like thinking of what are the products that they could actually sell um, on these channels, like on these new channels, especially on e-commerce. And on second front, like we looking at our network and also connections as well, we're very familiar in the FMCG space. Mm. Um, and therefore, we wanted to see and test out to, to see whether this bringing FMCG from offline to online, especially in this whole new channel, e-commerce channel, back in 2017, works or not. And... Yeah. Um, a, a big part of the early days, of course, was that was drop shipping. Mm. But with the rebrand to Borong, I, we'll get into what all that means in a little yeah. bit. Uh, you mentioned your background. So maybe tell us a little bit about your respective backgrounds before starting Borong and how that, I guess, helped you build this. Okay. Um, I Sorry, think, before Droppy and how it helped yeah, you build this. Before Droppy itself, yeah. So I think back in 2015, that's um, like uh, both Linus and I, we, we were actually in the tech technology um, industry itself. Um, we both were running a company called Infinite Ventures. Uh, at that point of time, um, the whole concept was that to really look into some of the business models that work in the Europe, in in the US, and try to bring it back over here. Um, I think uh, at that point of time, we were building close to about 12 companies. And 
most of it failed, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> most of it, yeah, failed. Uh, but I think uh, we also got pretty lucky. Uh, two of it actually got acquired. And uh, I think right after the acquisition were to happen, we were working towards the company for about uh, one more year. And that's the time when we decided to just came together again, really look into um, like what we can actually do as well. Still within the technology space, but an area where we feel like we can actually contribute more. So a bit of a background, uh, my family also runs a distribution company. Um, he, they, my family has been running um, wholesale for selling chocolates, confectionery for more than 30 years already. And at that point of time, we feel like, um, and I think Lenis will share a bit more about her family side as well. And we were comparing our family side and within the supply chain, we realized that there's a huge gap of uh, within the supply chain. Hence, uh, that's how the whole um, droppy idea actually being conceptualized. Yeah. On my end, yeah. um, I think my family business started off with my grandfather um, selling random products mm. uh, on a bicycle, just <laughs> cycling around uh, his kampong, his village and trying to sell and make ends meet. Right. Mm. Um, and it took him decades, like close to 20 years um, before he found out what was the right product with the good margins. And he was lucky enough to meet the suppliers who are able to provide him that product. Mm. Um, but it was years and years of iteration and, and trial and errors, which many of the uh, mom and pop stores today um, are facing. Uh, and I, I like uh, the part, of the, uh, this part of the story now, where there's this. This is uh, generational learning, essentially. Right? You've learned mm. from your, what your mm-hmm. families have done, yeah. but you've taken a di- different angle, which is a common one of the common themes we see with a lot of the new generation of entrepreneurs and founders as well. So, your families were respectively in the FMCG business in one way or another. Um, you talked a little bit about that gap you saw in the market that led you to drop it at first, mm. uh, Denise. Could you elaborate a little further? What was that? gap was it simply uh e-commerce had come up and people needed someone to support them in yeah. their ventures yeah so so we we initially looked at it as um oh the new form of small businesses mm. is going online mm. with these new platforms that's on the rise and this was when way back when when c2c platforms like consumer to consumer platforms was hot in the market so we were thinking that, okay, how can we provide more support mm. um, and help these uh, consumers, C2C sellers, um, grow their sales, especially on their margin side? Could we possibly connect them with the right suppliers or the right products um, to, for them to sell? And I think it was our mission till today still stays the same. It's mm-hmm. just that we've pivoted instead of serving online sellers, um, online retail sellers, where we pivoted into focusing more on offline mm-hmm. retail sellers. And yeah. we'll talk about that rebrand uh, off in a few minutes. Uh, before we get to that, um, is, is there anything you want to add to what Lenise said earlier? Yeah, I think she pretty much covered, uh, I think uh, on our side, really, when we really look into it, uh, initially we thought that the whole, because uh, we understood within the supply chain, right, there are a lot of layers within um, the whole supply chain. So for example, from the manufacturers to the principal, principal to the key dealers, key dealers to the multiple of distributors before it gets to the retailers. So the whole concept at first, we thought that we can just really bypass and go straight all the way to the consumers as well. Um, mm. And then only we started to realize that, hey, actually, 
um, the whole distributors actually plays a significant role within supply chain. Hence, that's when we decided to, you know what, why don't we try to help the distributors as well as the local yeah. pub store as well. So the yeah. value proposition here is helping distributors connect with mom and pop shops? It's yeah. helping distributors serve mom and pop stores in a better and smarter way. Yeah. So in the past, um, just like what Isaac said, we thought that just connecting from brands straight to these like uh, retailers and even end consumers um, was something that it was, uh, honestly, we were a little bit ahead of our time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, in this region, with a lot of fragmentations and geographical, geographically challenged uh, locations as well, um, we had to still rely on key distributors and wholesalers. They still provide value in the supply chain, especially distributing those products in second and third tier cities. So that's where we we moved our model into really figuring out how can we use technology to enable these sellers to serve the mom and pop stores better. But at the end of the day, it's still serving the mom and pop stores. Yeah. Giving them the technology that would help them better connect with distributors to get what they need to then run their businesses. Correct. Yeah. Um, what did the MVP of Droppy look like? Ooh. Let's, <laughs> let's, take a, let's go back in time, seven this years. Is like, a flashback, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the MVP was honestly, it's just a landing page. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was just look. We have uh, these few brands and products. If you're interested, drop us um, a WhatsApp or I think to a certain extent Google form. Yeah, Google form. Um, <laughs> we actually much, take orders during on Google form. Yeah, yeah. We we did the del- we went on ground. We served. Yeah. We visited the mom and pop stores. We counted stocks. We provide. Um, I think we worked end to end right we yeah. were the delivery person we were the order taking person we we connected with the brands uh, and trying to figure yeah. out like how much margins can we negotiate on behalf of this <laughs> retail. we honestly went door to door so yeah. so the whole concept of like our platform and what our USP is is that we aggregate these orders mm-hmm. um, from all these mom and pop stores so we're able to um, provide better uh, negotiate better pricings uh, on behalf of them. But at the same time, on the seller side, it's easier for them to manage them because now um, using our platform, we're able to automate their routings and, and predict what the demands and the stock availability of their products in their stores. So there's a lot of integration. There's a lot of like offline uh, to online mm, like yeah. initiatives that we've done and we've built um, to actually gather this what we call supply chain intelligence and we pass it back to the sellers the wholesalers distributors and brands and we tell them that look this is what all these general trade independent mom and pop stores are looking for Um, this is what they are looking to stock up at and this is how they are serving the community what are the other products that you can actually service them or provide what other services to ensure that your sales to them grows Mm. Was it? Di- I, I like asking the uh, early story because it gives us a sense for the unscalable nature initially before the mm. scalability comes in. Right? Everyone mm. thinks yeah. like, "Oh, start a business, scale straight away." No, no, no. There's a lot of groundwork. There's a lot of knocking on doors initially. A lot of Google Forms and spreadsheets <laughs> yes. before yeah. your systems come into place. Yeah. Um, was it difficult to get 
not uh, the distributors and also the mom and pop shops to buy in to what you were doing initially. Did you have to massive? Know, uh, how much? Uh, talk to us a little bit about that 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 journey. That like when when how, what did it take to get your first uh, onboarding? Uh, we had a lot of no's yeah. at, at, at the very beginning. In fact, like a lot of uh, retail stores thought we were scammers. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, oh but look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when they thought that, like, um, yeah. when they look at Isaac, perhaps they think like scammer, but look at me, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, but but I think like um, we we all we had to do was focus on providing really, really good value mm. to like five retail stores first. And from there, they introduce to their friends. Mm. A lot of it's true based on referrals um, that we relied heavily on. And in fact, like one of the first big brick <laughs> that we gotten was uh, from a brand, Red Bull. Red Bull. Red Bull. Wow. So yeah. Red Bull was honestly like, we worked with their strat team. They were like ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, they were. They looked at us. They said, "Sure, you know, we're gonna give you um, an opportunity for you to service them. All we need is just to understand more about the mom and pop stores and what can yeah. you tell us about the customers and that's on the ground." So, mm. yeah, that's what we've provided. Yeah, I think uh, just adding on to that, uh, when we first closed Red Bull, uh, they were the first one who pretty much really taught us a lot about the supply chain as well because mm. um, they're a big brand, right? And uh, whether you believe it or not, they actually service um, pretty much all the way from the tier one restaurants to uh, big hotels to the really small local mom pop store. I think uh, one and of the, many lorry drivers. Yeah, and many many lorry drivers. <laughs> one of the the key things that uh, we also learned is that I think we were really leveraging a lot on Red Bull. Like we skip, we we sell up quite a fair bit to a point that suddenly one of the key dealers even came and spoke to us, like um, like really trying to. Um, tell us like, hey, maybe you guys should really slow down and try to work with the key dealers instead mm. of just going and just sup with the whole thing. Um, I think that's one thing that we also learned, like uh, really need to work with the ecosystem players as well rather than try to do everything by ourselves. Yeah. I guess the longevity in this business is working with the existing ecosystem yeah. as well and not bypassing bypassing them entirely to go into the that's right. I think I think at the end of the day, as a tech company, we need we we had a discussion like internally, right? Mm. I remember the day where Isaiah and I sat down, we said, What exactly is the unique selling proposition or where do we want to double down on? Mm-hmm. What are we really good at? Mm. Are, do we want to spend time in a warehouse, like managing blue-collared workers, um, um, do all these routings, etc., manually, one by one? Is that something that you see ourselves doing on a day-to-day basis? Or we want to focus on like building a strong data team, mm. a strong tech team, um, and provide all these informations and these tools right, to the sellers who already have existing infrastructure for them to serve the customers that ultimately we want to achieve as well so i think a lot of it is like you know based off on finding good partners like key partnerships and we are very very um grateful actually for for red bull to be able to provide us that opportunity um at the very beginning yeah Yeah. folks we got to go into a few messages when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about what the rebranding to borrowing means as well as where the business is today. I've been speaking with Linis Ng and Aizat Rahim, co-founders of Borong, formerly known as Droppy, and you're listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. 
Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanisan and this morning I'm speaking with Lenis Ng and Aizat Rahim, co-founders of Borong, uh, the company formerly known as Dropy, a B2B e-commerce solutions provider that's enabling businesses to buy and sell in bulk online, among other things. Um, Lenis, Aizat, last year, Dropy had a big rebrand. Now mm. you're known as Borong. And as per our conversation earlier, it's signaling this move away from dropshipping to focusing on, I guess, supply chain management for SMEs, for businesses here in Malaysia, connecting distributors with uh, mom pop shops in a digital-centric or digital-first way. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the process of coming to this rebrand, what it, how long did it take to get to this and what mm. it signals ahead? Mm. Mm. Honestly, we really love the name Droppy, mm. but in a very nerdy way. So I think the, the um, and it, I will explain more about mm-hmm. the name Borong, but sure. I think context is required. Oh, please. Yeah. So first and foremost, like when the idea of the name Droppy came about was with when I was telling Isaac, we should try out this dropshipping business. What do you think yeah. the name is? He says, hmm, the most valuable name in the internet right now is six letters. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he has searched on GoDaddy and yeah. he searched a few URLs and he found out that this is one Available. of the cheapest ones. And he says, buy it. And I said, Okay. <laughs> and that was history, right? Yeah. Um, we, we took our time to change the name because um, in B2B, a lot of things like it, we, we weren't very consumer facing. So mm. we honestly think that it was not very relevant. Mm. Um, and since our customers are really referring us to other customers, etc., we, we really didn't need to think more about branding at, at, for the yeah. first like six years. Um, in operations. Um, but the name Borong, we decided to change it because when we entered Indonesia, the very beginning when we we introduced ourselves as Droppy, they're like, ooh, Another shop logistics, <laughs> uh, warehouse, yeah. do you do shipping? Where's your warehouse? And we was like, no, no, we we, we, pro- we provide solutions. Like we, we are a SaaS-enabled like, marketplace. We provide tools for you. And they said, Oh, but Droppy sounds a lot like drop shipping. Mm, yeah. You know, so it was really hard for customers um, or even like new markets to really understand what we do. And so we decided to change the name. So, but I think a lot of um, questions that we were asked about when we, when we did, when we launched our uh, rebranding mm. uh, was why, why Borong? Mm, why, mm, yeah. why a Malay word? Right. Um, and it, we we consciously made this decision because it goes back to our roots. Our mission is to actually serve, make sure that we're able to you use technology so that local businesses are able to thrive, right? And as we scale and grow, it was always focusing on how can we enable local businesses in their own local communities to thrive. And because of that, we as we scale and grow, we don't want to forget where our roots mm, are yeah. from. And what better way to represent our roots other than language itself? Mm-hmm. So we chose specifically Borong 
um, the Malay word, which represents wholesale. And coincidentally, Borong has two O's, which represents our <laughs> actions of bringing offline to online. Yeah. So, yeah. Well thought out uh, branding strategy, <laughs> the two O's. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it doesn't help, uh, it doesn't hurt the, the fact that Indonesia speaks a very yeah. similar language as well. Borong probably has same connotations there. Mm. Helps with your growth story as well, especially right. with your entry mm-hmm. over into Indonesia. Um, now, with this, obviously, the, the, the original problem that you were, fa- that you were targeting, the dropshipping, or the, the C2C kind of uh, uh, e-commerce players has now moved to the mom-and-pop shops, yep. more SME-based. Uh, give us a sense for what the product mix stands at today. I mean, the, obviously, the marketplace is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so the first product that we have is uh, obviously is the marketplace. So that's still uh, relevant for all the businesses where um, retailers can actually source for the right products right pri- for the right, at the right pricing finding from the right suppliers as well, and vice versa. We also help the suppliers to find new customers, managing their existing retailers better. Um, and along the way, we also uh, created a software uh, solution where we help the brand owners to really understand their managing the distributors a lot better. So it's something that we call Borong Direct. Um, essentially, it's for them to really... Uh, understand their supply chains a lot better. Previously, so it's like inventory management, among other things? Not, not just an inventory management, but pretty much really managing their distributors and territorial as well. So oh. traditionally, most of the brands that we work with, they only know their top line sales and their bottom line profit. They don't know where the product goes. They don't know which territory is actually doing very well. They have a high level sense, but they don't know in detail. So what Borong Direct actually provide is to really... Um, a very, very good insight for them to really understand which product is actually doing very well at which territory as well. Yeah. You want to add on? So it's inventory, order, management, yeah. and customer management all mm-hmm. in one. So very yeah. front-facing. Mm-hmm. Everything they kind of need to make that offline to online yeah. move mm-hmm. as well. And and I think like Borong Direct specifically address um, out-of-stock issues. Yeah. So ensuring that inventories are in the warehouse, the right warehouse, and can distribute to the right like retail outlets on time. Mm. Mm. Uh, so it's the software uh, that's allowing for better logistics management, better mm. inventory management, yeah. mm. um, the brains, or the intelligence, as you put it yeah. earlier, behind a lot of this. Uh, am I correct in assuming that revenue stream is uh, typically at the transaction fees with yep. some service fees as well? So it's a yeah. software. So if they subscribe to um, the Borong Direct, so that's where we take subscription fees. Mm. Um, but for new markets and new customers that we introduce to these brands, uh, especially second and third tier brands, um, we take a take rate, a commission from commission it. from yeah. yeah, and that's on the marketplace business. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Adding on to that as well, um, I think during the pandemic, uh, we started to realize that a lot of our customers were um, going like their sales or their purchases on our platform started to drop. And when we talked to them, they, they did mention that they don't know what's going what's gonna to happen in the future. Um, and so they're reserving a lot of their cash. And we started to discuss among ourselves, like, hey, actually we have the data of the retailers and the distributors. We know when these guys are going to be distribute the products. We know the distributors um, buying from the brand owners as well. Why not we try to do something like invoice factoring between these guys? Mm. Yep, and that's when uh, during 2020 we try to knock with as many uh, commercial banks as possible. Uh, I think we, thankfully we actually managed to get uh, UOB and Citibank as our first two uh, banks, where they started to underwrite our users. Yeah, to be clear, we don't, we are not the one who's actually financing those guys. Yeah, but 
these banks using our platform to underwrite these retailers. You have a user base yeah. that requires a certain fintech need and you've right. uh, facilitated that transaction, which yeah. actually is a big thing. And, and then yeah. you have a database, I guess, it's a, or a user base. Mm. There are other services that can be provided. Folks, I've been speaking with Linnis Ng and Aizat Rahim, co-founders of Borong, formerly known as Droppy, a B2B e-commerce solutions provider that's enabling businesses to buy and sell in bulk online. I'm Roshan Kanasin. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Bias Free Media. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I'm speaking with Lenis Ng and Aizat Rahim, co-founders of Borong. Uh, the company formerly known as Droppy is an B2B e-commerce solutions provider that's enabling businesses to buy and sell uh, in bulk online. Essentially enabling mom and pop shops to better work with and collaborate with distributors in order to make sure they have what they need to continue to sell uh, and generate sales. Speaking of generating sales, um, Please, Isaac, give us a sense for where um, Borong is today in terms of revenue generation. Um, obviously, you have multiple streams of revenue there. Where are you today? Yep. So, uh, I think uh, we were actually quite fortunate in the sense that we, I think because of the Borong Direct um, relationship that we have with our users, uh, with our brand, sorry, it sort of uh, really helped us to push through quite a fair bit of users organically. Um, like what Lenny's mentioned earlier, like a lot of the referral and stuff. So up year to date, uh, we're currently servicing more than 197,000 retailers um, across uh, Malaysia, Indonesia as well. Um, all the way from the, the likes of uh, Petronas Musra, Shell, to a small local mom pub store as well. Uh, in regards to revenue, last year we made about 230, 270 plus million uh, in revenue. Um, US dollars. Yeah. US dollars. And yeah. this is not GMV, this is revenue. Yeah, that, that revenue. Um, GTV that we have is close to 4.2 billion in GTV. Wow. But of course, we wish we can take take rate from that GTV. But, <laughs> <laughs> but nah, uh, we, we don't have that. Um, we're, we're pretty much like a operating at close to operating break-even already. Um, I think last year we hit that multiple times and then we decided to just ramp up a little bit more as well. And um, so far it's been, at least in business sense, we're quite healthy. Uh, most of our revenue comes from the marketplace aspect, and uh, I think uh, it's still it's still a lot more room for us to really grow both marketplace and the software aspect of it. So marketplace yeah. obviously is a very activity driven business, yeah. can be contingent on the economy and how mm. businesses are feeling. Uh, the Borong Direct software recurring yeah. revenue, a lot That's more right. um, palatable and attractive to yeah. investors. Um, how much of how big is that as a component of your business today? Um, so marketplaces contribute more than 70% uh, okay. of it. Um, about 20 plus percent of it comes from the software subscription. And we also want to make sure that the price is um, uh, pretty suitable for our mm. clients as well because it ranges, we have the really big brands to the smaller distributors as well. Um, and then the small part of it actually comes from our credit facilities. Yeah, The fintech uh, yep. enablement. Um, do you expect the fintech part to become a bigger story or is it more ancillary income? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the fintech part will still be uh, ancillary ancillary revenue, mm. uh, but pretty much because we facilitate. And I think we will always 
we aim to always be that facilitator because mm-hmm. that's what we're good at. Yeah. Um, we leave the lendings and creating the right financing, SME financing products, etc., to <laughs> to the boys uh, or the uh, businesses that are actually in that space for many many years. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you're talking about the making sure that the pricing is right for your ecosystem for the customers you're serving. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the the your customer de- uh, demographics. Yeah, so a uh, majority of, uh, more than 80% of our customers are actually the micro SME mm. um, across two countries. Uh, they, they, they're pretty much like uh, been around for many years as well. They're servicing the communities within their, their space itself. Uh, so these guys, whether they're generationally passed through, or sometimes we're also starting to see the second gens are taking mm. over the, the business as well, um, which uh, we find it quite interesting. Uh, yeah. But most of them, a huge chunk of it actually comes from the smaller uh, mom pub store. Yeah, and we focus yeah. a lot more in providing value to these uh, MSMEs in rural areas. So I call it second and third cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in metropolitan cities, they are really well served. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, supply chain here, pretty much not much of an issue. Yeah. Um, we really look into uh, areas where distribution is a little bit difficult. Uh, pricing is, you know, uh, more expensive. Um, servicing them, you know, it's, it's costly. Mm-hmm. So this is where we thrive more in. Uh, yeah. Given that uh, uh, Borong is the software layer uh, in this that's facilitating a lot yep. of this, uh, improving the connectivity. Uh, distribution is still a key uh, bottleneck, I would presume, to get to those folks that are out of town. Yeah. Um, have you been able to improve that? Uh, I mean, given that you're mm-hmm. software-based. Yeah. So so I think like because we work with, um, and we, we work with all parties across the chain, it allows us to also start enabling like wholesalers and distributors to to double down on becoming the best distribution center mm. within that area. Um, and when we talk about being the best distribution center, it's really like identifying what is the right product that they should really stock up in your warehouse first. And that pretty much needs it correlates with what their retail customers within that area that they're servicing, right? It was, and forecasting the demand for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we also uh, enable them to route and, and serve all the customers around the area better. So instead of dropping by one by one, as and when, um, or on an ad hoc basis, we actually put automated schedulings or routings and even do auto replenishment so, so sort of to en- to enable these sellers right to be able to predict and detect when should they drop by to their customer store mm. whether it is to stock up for items or to introduce them new products that are complementary to their best sellers so those are the things that we focus a lot more of and I think we're very excited we're, we're honestly Roshan we're scratching the surface mm. there's just so much more information that we ourselves like get surprised yeah. on like <laughs> at, at times like we're like oh my god like there are so much potential like in mixing and matching certain brands together yeah. um really introducing brands to brands to collaborate with one another that they never have thought about be- because it works well in their local communities and in local stores so these are the things that we constantly research on 
and try to figure out. And we provide these tools and intelligence to the sellers so that they could ultimately serve the mom and pop stores well. It's a commerce and retail intelligence allowing yeah. for yeah. a modern uh, version of just-in-time uh, distribution or, or manufacturing. Right. I mean, just-in-time distribution and stocking mm. uh, at the stores, uh, more proactive nature as opposed to being reactive as well. Yeah. Uh, we're going into another break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more. Uh, let's talk a bit about fundraising because I know uh, there could be some interesting uh, tidbits ahead on that front. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with Lenis Ng and Isaac Rahim, co-founders of Borong, formerly known as Droppy, a B2B e-commerce solution provider that's enabling businesses to buy and sell in bulk online. I'm Roshan Kanasin. You are listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here at BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Bloggers for Malaysia. BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBolly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison, and this morning I'm speaking with Lenis Ng and Aizat Rahim, co-founders of Borong, formerly known as Droppy, a B2B e-commerce solutions provider that's enabling businesses to buy and sell in bulk online. Uh, Aizat, Lenis, in January 2022, it was announced that Droppy completed a $7 million US dollar a Series A funding round, and this was a mix of equity and debt investment yeah. from new and existing investors. Before that, Droppy raised $1.3 million US dollars in July 2020, and uh, before that, $350,000 in January 2019. So numbers have been going up yeah. uh, over the last few years. Um, is that the extent of the fundraising uh, so far, and do you currently have plans to raise more funds? Yeah, so it's actually very timely um, for you to ask this. Uh, we are actually in the midst of fundraising. We just only literally started um, early this year. Um, we we had a discussion with um, the rest of the team as well uh, late last year and we fi- we figured, because uh, when we look into the numbers, we know that we're already hitting the operating break-even, which mm-hmm. means that we are already on track. Um, if, let's say, we do want to go for listing and so forth. But then we really sat down and discussed. With, we, we realized that actually there are still huge, a lot more room for us to really play and to really grow as well. And uh, we decided to go for the Series B, the toughest uh, fundraising <laughs> part for all technology companies, right? Um, Particularly but yeah, in this region. <laughs> yeah, and especially mm. in this region. Um, but I think we've been quite fortunate. Uh, we just started it like a few weeks back and uh, our aim is to actually raise uh, more than USD $10 million. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's the minimum checks that we're looking at. Um, but so far, uh, it's been quite positive with a lot of investors that we're speaking to. Um, I think uh, at least on the vested interest, we already have, have close to half of it. Um, so hopefully, uh, at least we sh- we're we looking at maybe this could be like potential, the final fundraising round before we can go into the listing space itself. Um, yeah. Are you looking for any particular types of investors? Um, usually at this yep. stage, maybe strategies could become a key area for you to explore yep. as well. Yeah, I think uh, it's a combination of both. So one part of it, obviously we do want to get strategic investors. Um, like some of it we're looking at could be a potential underwriter themselves, um, a guarantee provider for some part of our businesses. Um, we, we're also looking at guys uh, of strategic investors that actually have pretty extensive distribution hub as well. Um, so that's one. But I think uh, the larger uh, ticket size that we're looking at should be, comes from the, um, at least the financial institution. So it could be a venture cap or private equity because we're already at a stage where we do see um, 
we can actually scale pretty healthily. And rather than investing so much and burning money, uh, we're no longer at that stage anymore. It's about really growing um, efficiently. So now it's yeah. about scale. Yeah. That's right. But I think like, yeah. I just want to add on to that. Um, ultimately, for anyone that we bring onto a cap table, they it's super duper important for them to share the same mission mm. as us. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, they must believe in our cause. We, While we are a tech company, and I think like but w- one of the key differences is that we are very mission-driven first, mm. which is can we create, use technology to create good, to create an impact for micro and small businesses? And we're able to change that and we're bringing on board the right stakeholders to join us in this mm. cause, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, speaking of the cap table, uh, you have a existing list of uh, investors, including, I think, Win Capital was the one who led the last fundraising round, Series B, but you've also got... Um, uh, series, we, a. series A. Series A, Series A, sorry. We're yeah. talking about Series B now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> other investors include HCL Capital, a Hong Kong-based family office. This was back in Series A. Um Talk to us a little bit about the non-monetary benefits or, so, or support or value from key uh, players on your cap table. Yep. So I think uh, the first one I'll definitely go would be uh, one of the VC based in Singapore, um, Resolution Ventures. Um, so I think during the pandemic, when we really realized that, hey, we should really go into the credit, like supporting, mm. facilitating of that credit. Obviously, none of us actually have that experience, right? Um, but just so happened that um, that that venture cap is their core business is actually underwriting, giving out loans for businesses. So we actually brought them in and to really look into our first um, first version of the credit facilities. Really trying to understand what are the areas that we can scale, what areas that we still need to do it like uh, work very closely with the banks or the the, the financial institution. And uh, I think that was pretty much uh, really really helpful for us yeah. because uh, now I think we already get at the stage where. We have a lot of FIs coming on board and supporting their users. But yeah. we also do have um, super angels that came in in earlier rounds as well. They've been extremely helpful. Like, yeah. for example, we had um, a guy who was uh, working for Google and he was uh, developing. He was the machine learning uh, lead developer um, for both Google Pay and Google Search Engine. And he came on board with us during the early stages um, to really help us develop that infrastructure and framework uh, on our AI ML tools. Mm. Um, Because at the end of the day, we know that this platform as a facilitator and aggregator we're going to be going to be by like facilitating so much information and the key here is how can we use this data and insights to churn out um, meaningful actionable steps for businesses to take on so that they can actually scale and grow in an easier way Uh, looking ahead i guess with this you're aiming for uh at up to 10 million US dollars. Uh, uh, no, no so at least 10, at 10 million US. You're looking for at least a 10 million dollar <laughs> yeah. round, a Series B round here. Um, what are the plans uh, in terms of utilize? What is What do you need that money to do going yep. forward? Yeah, very good question. So um, I think there are three parts that we're looking into it. The first one is that to really start looking for tier two and tier three brands. Um, I think uh, we've been pretty good uh, at least uh, working together with a lot of the tier one brands and sub- sellers, right? Um, so for now for us to really look into the tier 2 and tier 3 brands so that we can also start servicing the mom pop store a lot better because there are some products that um, these guys are selling for the community that's a lot different than um, products that are being sell here in the city center. So that's one. Uh, second, we also started to look into a different country as well. Um, one of the areas that we're looking at is definitely Thailand. 
Um, the main reason why is because that a lot of the brands that we are servicing, their manufacturing hub is actually based there. So we figured that the thing is just more like a logical sense for us to go there as well. Um, the brands are asking us, hey, when are we going to expand over there? Um, for them <laughs> to really look into the distributors. And surprisingly, a yeah. lot of uh, Thai communities like Malaysian local brands. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced like vice versa as well. We, we, are, we have quite a few Thai products that's in the market that we consume. So I think uh, there's a huge opportunity there to mm. do um, trading cross-border trading here. Uh, yeah. That's that's very interesting. Um, especially, I mean, you're also looking at markets where I guess the commerce, where you've got more two, tier yeah. two, tier three, three cities as well, more fragmentation, more dispersed uh, right. uh, commerce centres. Um, the SME financing, SME mm. financing seems to be a very interesting area for a lot of fintech solutions yep. today, right? Whether it's the digital banks that are coming up or the players like funding societies mm-hmm. uh, who are very big in the space mm-hmm. uh, or Cat Bay, who uh, uh, again, also SME financing, accounts receivable. It's all about data. Yep. And you look to have that data with these smaller mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. What are the ambitions, I guess, for the SME financing? Uh, what are the possible ambitions for the SME financing uh, portion of your business? Yeah, so I think uh, on our end, uh, we did discuss about this. Um, the, the big vision is for us to be as good, if not better, than Alipay. Um, I mean, that's the dream, right? Um, that's the moonshot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's the moonshot. Um, but <laughs> being a little bit humble, um, we, we, we figured that as long as we can really help um, the retailers to procure a lot of their inventory financing, because uh, inventory financing is still a portion of the really big SME financing. Some of them are doing working capital. Some of them are giving like um, credit facilities and many others as well. Um, I think for us to really look into the inventory financing um, and also reverse factoring between the retailers and the distributors. I think that's one of the areas that we feel like we can really contribute more because the data that we have. Yeah. But but I think like um, I want to add here is, is that at the end of the day, mm. um, we want to reward businesses with that practice good business practices Mm, and good business practices comes in a form of especially when you're in trading or retail right it's when do you pay your goods pay on time right pay on time (laughs) Um, and and it's not I think because the lack of transparency um, this allows both suppliers and also the banks right to understand uh, what kind of the retailers or businesses or um, that that practices good business practice, and because we have those uh, information mm. um, at the end of the day, and we honestly, it's it's just really pretty much uh, rewarding them maybe better interest rates uh, or longer credit terms or uh, longer or, or larger mm, amount larger, of financings, yeah. right? Uh, to the ones that are actually mm-hmm. doing good. So we've we've encountered uh, retail outlets that would stretch their credit terms. Maybe like they've already overdue and then they stretch with another like 30, Supply, 60, yeah. even up to 120 days sometimes. And they will do it across multiple suppliers. So Creative, man. <laughs> so in, in, the, in the offline space without us, yeah. what yeah. they would do is that they would shop around with many suppliers and they'll do that. And then once they've exhausted the market, they'll repay supplier A again. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, we are actually telling all the suppliers, hey, if you're uh, supplier A who already have that customers that is uh, that has payment overdue and they now are shopping from a different supplier, supplier B will have that information. Like, oh... This supplier, this this customer, um, 
has they are they are scoring and their retail scorecard is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you still have that business decision whether do you want to serve them at the same pricing, still give them the right credit terms, etc. And pretty much like entirely up to you. But you have the information to know. Do you want to still con- like serve them or give them the credit terms or not? Breaking yeah. up the siloness of right. working with uh, suppliers don't necessarily want to share their data across yeah. board, but if you can help provide intelligence and scoring uh, different, um, yeah, I don't but, think yeah. it's like suppliers don't want to. It's also against PDPA, yeah. right? Like, like they for us because we are facilitator. Um, and we don't say that like, oh, retailer owes which supplier. We aggregate and we say that like, they have this scorecard of what and this scorecard is based off on X, Y, Z. Yeah. It helps them to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Last question before we go into the 11 a.m. news bulletin. It's been, yeah. uh, it's funny how time flies when you're having fun. Isa, <laughs> um, earlier you yeah. said that I think the exit opportunity you're looking at or the exit trajectory is a listing. Mm. Uh, tell us a little bit about more about that and why a listing. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, like both uh, Linus, myself, uh, we, we already had a lot of uh, trade sale exits. And I think during the beginning when we first founded uh, Droppy then as well, we also had the, the thoughts like, hey, you know what, maybe just run this company for two, three years, flip it, sell it to somebody and then that's it, right? Um, but I think it turns out along the way, uh, we did see the impact that we're creating for these um, retailers, the micro SME, and the, the scale that we actually ended up becoming is something that beyond what we initially expected. And uh, so I think the next step for us is to really look into, should we do it the same thing again? Or should we actually do this, list this, so that the company can, we can actually help a lot more micro SME. And that, that was the decision that I think we, it's more of like, yeah. um, make it perpetual mm. um, yeah. over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like what Isaac said, right? He said that he has done trade sale before. Maybe he's bored. <laughs> Maybe he's bored and he wants yeah. to try something new. Let's, I've done trade sale before. I'm bored of that. Let's go through the grueling process of my view. Yeah. First world problems, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, I think it's really more, <laughs> really more towards I'm like. I'm kidding, uh, I'm kidding. I know, I know. More, more towards like uh, helping as many businesses as yeah. possible. Keeping I think, that mission going. That's right. Because, uh, like Linus mentioned it's all about mission driven and. I think if you were to do trade sale, of course, the the buyer can say that they are, but we won't have the control on the narrative anymore. So I think this one, this time around, it's really to scale it as much as possible while providing the same services for our clients. Linis, yeah. Isaac, thank you yeah. so much for your time today. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Folks, I've been speaking with Linis Ng and Isaac Rahim, co-founders of Borong, formerly known as Droppy, a B2B e-commerce solutions provider. I'm Richard Gunnison. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBerlay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.